Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game right. winner, got it! Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got him, if he catches it, it's over, ball game! Touchdown, Jawan Stinson! 25 yards, J.J. German for the win! He got it! J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs! And the Uh, hello? Bueller? Bueller, Bueller. It's Sandos in the. Don't do it. If you value our partnership, don't do it. We've been putting it in together five years. Don't do it, Mike. Don't, don't do it, Mike. Dude, who's there? Why'd you do it, Mike? Why? Why? To humiliate me? Boring. For what? No, 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 no. Hell no! 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 I refuse! No! No! On the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Thursday, Jay Sandoz with you, and I do have a sidekick. It is not the normal Mike Gallagher, but he's also uh, thin, squirrely. I don't know. I'll call them different words, but our quarterback one on the broadcast, uh, Matt Wilgem, is going to join me for the show today. And Matt, I appreciate you uh, filling in uh, here, talking a little ETSU Citadel. And who better to talk about ETSU football than a former quarterback and a former quarterback that played a lot of games against Citadel? Well, I tell you what, this Citadel game is always one of my most favorite games of the year. Just a lot of history and tradition between these two teams. But but let me first start off and say, uh, you know, there's no replacing Mike Gallagher. I mean, that's let's just call it what it is. I'm just Happy he is to, dead to me, but go ahead. I'm just happy to fill in, you know, into fit into his shadow here uh, inside the booth. So that's uh, hard to do. He's a little dude. So. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. I mean, you're, I mean, you wear schmediums too. So between the two schmedium guys, I guess uh, you can get it done. Um, the one thing that Mike would normally do, which I'm going to defer, because normally he just kind of, uh, you know, I do a little open, say something to him, and then kind of jump right into initial uh, mind-numbing thoughts that I have. But I had Robert on Tuesday or Monday, so we talked a lot about his thoughts, game fresh on his mind. Before we kind of move forward past that, just quickly your thoughts, specifically you being a former quarterback offensively for ETSU game one. Yeah, you know, I think game one, we got out ahead early, and when you're up 21 nothing in the first quarter, it's hard to keep that intensity up for the rest of the game. I thought athletically uh, we, we, we we performed well. I, I thought uh, Tyler Rydell had a very efficient and effective game. He was – 14 for 19, 187 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, those are those are good numbers against anybody. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think it's been said where we've got room to improve is running the ball. And uh, that starts with the offensive line. The, the thing I'll say about that is the offensive line is always the last unit to come on stream at the beginning of the year, particularly when you've got a new offense coming in. It's a different scheme. It's different. Uh, naming you've got so many moving parts uh, that that you're having to adjust to and oh by the way once you once you get the scheme down you're you're having to go dominate a 275 pound defensive lineman in front of you that has the disposition of a pit bull right like there, there are few people in this world that have 
less care and concern about their own personal safety than defensive linemen, and, and you're asked to think and stop them. I, I've said it many times. I think uh, next to quarterback, of course, Center, of course, center is the hardest position on the field, and uh, you know I think we saw a little bit of that uh, on on uh, Thursday of last week. So I, you know, I asked Robert this, and I think it's a you know thinking about his answer. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that. I thought there were three things I asked him about. Maybe what was going on with the the offensive line and continuity. One was the fact that you know. They, even though they had four of the five stars, Big Fred really didn't play except for sparingly. He's still trying to recover. So you had a couple new starters in, new scheme. They were rotating linemen in. Then you look at the, the fact that really the starters played about two and a half quarters. So you got to toss that. So, you know, was it one of that? Was it all of that? And, and you know, and he kind of went with, well, probably all of that kind of contributed to some of the numbers because you look at – you know, clearly they gave Jacob Sailors the ball early and often, as you would assume they would, a preseason Walter Payton, you know, candidate, also a you know, preseason offense player of the year, depending on which publications and things you look at. But he had 13 carries, one reception. But if you look at some of the other guys that got carries, if you take those away for two and a half quarters, then you're looking at he maybe got 20, 25 carries or 25 touches, if you will. And that's probably about where he needs to be. It, it is, particularly in this offense coming, coming in with this kind of talent. We need to see him touching the ball, you know, 15 plus times a game in, in my opinion I just think he's a special talent and we need to lean on that um, but but I also want to reiterate you can practice all you want you can scrimmage all you want but there is no replacement for game time and seeing when the lights come on how people respond do all their checks go out of their mind do they frizz out or they go out and execute and and I think we saw a little bit of both of that on Thursday and that's why I'm looking forward to this week Jay's because I think the newness will have worn off a little bit, and then we can go execute. I really like, and, and again, we, we kind of self-make fun of our staff and how large it is and everything it is. But the one thing I always kind of enjoy in a group thread that we have just really between me, you, Robert, and Kevin Brown, who's uh, kind of right now the de facto football SID. We'll go back to basketball here as Mike Ezekiel comes on board and gets it going. But all of us watch game film or tape or whatever and you know uh, probably not you know tape and game film like it used to be we just go to ESPN plus but we watch but still same thing we're watching the game we're like checking the stats we're looking at the box and it's not just the Citadel game it's other games around the league but I really enjoy the fact that we watch the game so when we get a chance to do this because we come from it from different angles me and Robert sometimes football fans but play by play guys you come from there but then we can kind of come to an agreement on things so that being said you watch the Citadel Offensively, we all had questions because me and Robert and even Kevin all talked about the blocking rules are going to be huge. And for those that you know have not listened to us, basically they've changed the the rules where you can't block more than the, uh, a yard away from all. So the tackle box, if you will, you can't cut block anybody. Now defenders can't come in and take out offensive guys' legs either. So it does cut both ways on that situation. But specifically for three-back option-type teams, that is a huge part of their offense, and certainly that was something we try to watch on film. Yeah, so so let's set the stage for everybody. When when you think three-back option football, the phrase three yards in a cloud of dust comes up, the phrase staying on schedule, meaning getting at least three yards on every run, comes up. But the secret behind three-back option football is actually big plays. So they'll lull you to sleep. You'll hit – They'll hit these two and three and four yard gainers and, and they force you to be disciplined and then they make a mistake. 
then the defense will make a mistake, and then they'll hit you for a big pass or they'll hit you for a big run. And Coach Paul Hamilton had a saying that said, knockdowns are the pathways to touchdowns. And the way that you get a knockdown from a perimeter block is that you, you throw at their knees and you roll. And it forces the defensive back to take his eyes off of what's happening in front of him. And he's, he's having to push down the blocker. And at that point, you've stopped his feet, you've stopped his momentum, and you've taken his eyes off the ball. And then if you've got a quick hit and back, that ball's passed him before they have any chance, and then you're not going to catch up. And that's a big play. Well, now that you can't go, you can't chop block, you can't go for their knees, now every, their eyes are up and they can play more physical and they can shed that blocker quickly and get downhill faster and and blow up the play much closer to the line of scrimmage than what what they you've historically been able to do. I think when you I'm glad you mentioned the kind of the role aspect of it because I think the misconception is everyone is going and literally diving at the the knees in an unsafe manner. Now they say the NCAA cuz I read the full um, rule and the justification for the rules because they have data for the last few years about knee injuries on, on plays like that and I'm not doubting that but traditionally watching those teams that normally do that the armies the navies again the citadels of the world um, it's a situation where they don't teach necessarily dive it is it's sort of a you kind of go down early you let them know because they want a show of it right they want you to like hey I'm going down you've got to be able to go against that and so now I think what that does is for guys that maybe weren't good blockers, that's easy to do. You go out there, you roll at somebody, you get them you know, occupied. Now you have to turn into maybe a physical blocker that maybe you didn't have to do before, and I think that changes the dynamic. It, it does. What that role does is it in, it keeps the engagement longer because you're physically having to fight off a barrel roll for, for a longer amount of time. If you're able to sidestep a, a block now, if you're able to to olay a block or anything like that, you're you're going to be able to get past that defender, and now you're you're unbalanced. There's more tacklers than there are blockers, and and you can go for the ball. So I, I think uh, I don't know how the option game is going to adjust, but this is a decisive move against running triple option. It it really is. It's it's tough to be uh, competitive if you've taken away this uh, roll block. All right, so you heard it here, Matt Wilgham conspiracy to get rid of option football. Uh, they want more scoring. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. you know, if you go back and look at well-performing option teams, they score high, they score fast. Again, uh, I think the misconception there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their average drives are less than – and I go back to, like, the Georgia Southerns and those guys that, that did it better than anybody. You know, their average scoring drive was, like, two minutes or less. And and that's in an era that was not um, – that was not, like – no, speed tempo, yeah, right? no, no speed tempo, no huddle. That was here, here's the play, and so and so when it's when it's effective, it's it's really hard to stop. It'll be interesting to see how it adjusts going forward. So let's talk specifically then about the Citadel because you watched uh, different styles of game. Campbell and they've got a very talented quarterback, and uh, Robert was pretty jacked about the game because the first couple years of football was back. He was doing play by play for. Uh, the Campbell Camels at that time when they were still non-scholarship, now they're FCS, Big South can remove the CAA. But he was excited about the quarterback because he had you know soft spot in his heart for where he worked for all those years and the football program coming back. And that, that kid was special. They went right down the field. They scored. Then the Citadel came right back and scored. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be one of those games. But then whatever adjustment 
either Campbell made or the Citadel didn't make seemed to dictate the rest of the game. Yeah, you know, so let's let's set the stage for what op, what Citadel option football is under under Brent Thompson, their coach. This is, he's coming into his seventh year. Each of the six years that he's been the coach, they have had a top ten rushing team in the nation. Four of them, they were in the top six. They led it one time. They were second another time. So this is a team that knows how to run option football. Let's just let's put that aside. I didn't see that on on Saturday's film. Uh, you've got a new quarterback that was a transfer from Wofford who transferred from App State before that. He's talented with the ball in his hands, but to me, he didn't look like he grasped the full Citadel option offense at this point. We didn't see a lot of triple option. We saw a lot of double option, meaning either a quarterback fullback or quarterback a-back, the pitch back. And, and that was something that Robert Harper had picked up on as well, and I was, I was pleased to see that. So, so that limits your office. Here's the other thing I didn't see, um, and this gets down into the weeds here a little bit, but this is the part about option football that I love. When you're playing option football, you want to have a balanced offense and a balanced defense, meaning five-and-a-half guys to the right, five-and-a-half guys to the left. And if your defense doesn't match up well with you, you just go to wherever the where the misbalance is, right? If they've got six and five, you go to the five side, go away from the six side. The way offenses, option offenses will adjust to that is they'll purposely show an unbalanced offense and see if the defense adjusts. Well, Citadel never checked, or they at least told him not to check, uh, the quarterback not to check. He never checked into the right offenses or to the right plays. They – uh, I saw uh, obviously misreads. That's going to happen in the first game. But I also didn't see their quarterback attacking the pitch man. He was pitching it way too early, which essentially allows the one defender to be a tackler for both. And so that's not the way option works. You purposely don't block one or two guys, but make him choose. And wherever he chooses, he's wrong. Well, the quarterback, Peyton Derrick, wasn't making him choose. He was giving up the ball early, or he's running the. He was clearly defining he was running the ball early, and I think uh, he's clearly a talented quarterback that can run the ball. I, I, he just didn't have a good game on Saturday. Yeah, and so he, you know, he started his career at App State, which I forgot about uh, until I was watching the, the the broadcast, the rebroadcast of that game with Campbell. Then he went to Wofford, where Wofford was trying to switch the system. Uh, but apparently in high school, he, he ran a lot of the option stuff. So some of this may be riding a bike, getting back into the flow of things. Um, when you deal with that, right, and you can speak to this because you ran some option too, but just trying to get that relationship, um, specifically with the fullback and the mesh and all that on top of the other read, but that's the, the first thing that generally you have to kind of work on because that timing's so quick. It, it is, and it's, it's, it's a dance. It's a feel, and the ones that are great at it, it they make it look like a ballet where – guys that aren't pointing at me it's it's uh you're 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 having to it's more mechanical and the great ones it's just a flow and it felt more mechanical for for Peyton Derrick um if you ran if you run option in high school it's typically two back option quarterback fullback quarterback pitch back and a lot of times um and, and even the zone reads like a, yeah. it's like a fullback. I mean, it's yes. it's still a handoff type as opposed to a pitch, but it's still a, a two person. It's read. a it's a two person read, and a, a lot of times some of those they'll just they'll tell them like, hey, run the midline option, but give right because the coaches are seeing something that maybe a high school quarterback isn't prepared for. In college, it's it's a different deal. You've got you've got 
everything is happening lightning quick and you can't you can't predetermine the give you can't predetermine the pitch you have to read and react otherwise you're you're outnumbered and it's and it's no good so i think uh, i'm gonna he, clearly he can run the ball i'm gonna give him kind of a pass on that i think he'll be much more effective running the option saturday against us than than what he showed against campbell but i'll say this if I'm Brent Thompson, and my quarterback plays in game two like he played in game one. I'm, I, I would not be surprised to go to their backup quarterback, Ahmad Green, a freshman, redshirt freshman from um, Bluffton, South Carolina. I think uh, – Sounds fast, even if he's not. He just, he just sounds fast. And, and, you know, you go to the Citadel because you're an option quarterback, and the way you get better at being an option quarterback is you get reps. And so if, if I'm Brent and I'm not seeing the – um, output that I want to see or, or the decision-making that I want to see, I, it would not surprise me to see him go to number two. Four offensive linemen um, new this year. Some guys that started towards the end of the year, but from last year's starting lineup to this, a four offensive linemen, certainly you know, you think that's to play into it. They did find a fullback last year in Logan Billings. He was a guy that was playing different position all of a sudden mid-year. I think ETSU was the first game. I think he started a fullback and had a, a monster game against ETSU. So um, you look at that, there's some names. They've also Sam Llewellyn, and Cooper Wallace all back. Um, and Joku's back again as an A-back. Seems like he's been there forever as well. So all the backs seem to be there. The biggest piece besides the quarterback, and no Jalen Adams who transferred to Norfolk State and trying to figure out if Peyton Derrick or Ahmad Green is going to be the guy. I think the other thing is Raleigh Webb was such a massive uh, weapon for them and who's going to replace the big home run hitter for the Citadel. Yep, and so, when you when, again, when you go to triple option, you're forcing the defense to pick your poison. Pick your poison. Is it going to be Jalen Adams? Is it going to be Raleigh Webb? Uh, then you throw in this Billings that that was a surprise good at, at at defending the option is take away two of them. You're going to say, hey, the quarterback's not going to beat me. The fullback's not going to beat me. I, I want to make their pitchbacks beat me. Well, you put Raleigh Webb out on the edge with two blockers that are roll blocking and knocking people down. He's got a chance to get behind you. Uh, I, you know, Njoku is a good, talented guy. But if I'm if I'm Billy, I'm taking away the quarterback, I'm taking away the fullback, and I'm making that pitch back beat me this week. Well, let's talk a little bit about defensively free tissue because you'll hear Coach Taylor, and I'm gonna it's Thursday, so I'm gonna interview him in the afternoon, get his comments for the coaches show or the pregame show. But I can already tell you, he's gonna talk about eye discipline. So what does he mean by that? Yeah, here's what he means by eye discipline. As a defensive player, when you're playing the uh, triple option. Let's say you're the defensive tackle and you're you're the read here. You're not. You can't get caught looking to where the ball is. You've got to go play your man. So if you're read on this on this play on this design call, if uh, you've got to take fullback, no matter what happens, you have to eliminate. You've got to eliminate the fullback. If you get caught looking in the backfield to say, "Hey, I'm going to try to get the quarterback on this play," then there's nobody left on the fullback. You, you have to go take your your uh, play no matter what happens. Let's talk about that from someone like the secondary's standpoint. If you're, if you're Mike Price in the safety and you've got option your way, if you commit and you're only going to go take the, the pitch back because you're unblocked and you're only going to go take him, well, here's what's going to happen. They're going to pull the ball up. 
they're play action pass and throw it off the top of your head. As as the as the secondary, you've got to be able to keep everything in front of you. And when they've when they have made the commitment to pitch the ball or the quarterback's going to run, then you got to get downhill quick. Um, but you can't only commit, and then the next thing you know, you'll see the ball thrown over the top of your head because you're not playing back, watching to see if they're going to play play action pass. So, and I think the the safeties are the hardest because it's either run up aggressively to make a tackle, sit and wait, and they're kind of banking on that. The other part is is usually who's got quarterback pitch because sometimes it's ooh, there's a guy over here instead of just playing your your role doing your job of whatever your assignment is we see that all the time two guys will go to one or whatever it is and a guy's just guessing what and that that's the other way they get you that's the other way they get you and you can't blame them they want to make the play they want to see ball they want to go make the play but the problem is the offense is testing you and they're baiting you to take the wrong guy that's that's the name. They get you confused, and they want you to take the wrong guy. And once they catch you in the wrong spot, you're done. You're done. You, you're they're they're behind you, and that's how you get to those big plays and two minute drives. Well, let's talk a, a little bit flip side of the defense. It's a three four defense. It's a situation where they're a little bit like Billy Taylor. They get you in third and long. Generally speaking, they're going to bring pressure. They're going to try to make you make a quick decision, you know, a second, second and a half, and, and try to get rid of the football early. So can the Bucks stay out of third and long? And if they can't, what's the best way to combat that? Yep, so so here's the way that I see them. They're a typical Citadel defense, which means they're a little bit undersized height-wise, but they're stocky. They commit their front seven to the to the line of scrimmage really well. They commit really well. Their their linebackers are aggressive. They come up to the line, and if you're playing ETSU, stopping the run I think is the priority. And so I think they're going to be really good about that. But here's where I think they uh, they they've got some chinks in their armor. They don't cover well. Their secondary is not very physical. Their linebackers don't play in space very well. And so for us, I think we've got to be able to get the ball to the next level quickly and force them to not commit those linebackers to the run so early. I think we've got to play action them a little bit. We've got to have some misdirection, crossers, that kind of stuff that keeps their heads on the swivel and not commit to us so early at the line of scrimmage. I think the the, the one thing, too, at least Campbell had a lot of success with up-tempo, and I know that's a part of the game that the BTSU is trying to add. And they're very strategic in it. A lot of times if they just got a first down or something like that, then the tempo kind of picked up. Curious to see. I'm sure the coaching staff saw that as well. And it wouldn't be surprised if ETSU went a little bit more up-tempo. Yeah, and I think that's Coach Neugebauer's goal here is to play a lot more up-tempo. I think that's just very much the fad in because it's effective. You put the defense on the field for a long time. You wear them out. That plays well in the fourth quarter. Um Let's flip that around. Citadel likes to play ball control, right? They they want to have the ball 35-plus minutes a game, 35, 40 minutes a game. And out of 60, that's, that's significant. If we're up-tempo and we are getting off the field real quick, and then conversely, you've got, you've got uh, the Citadel wanting to hold the ball for a long time, that's, that's an effective strategy against – ETSU hold the ball a real long time, get them off the field real quick, and limit their scoring opportunities. So I, I, I've kind of role played 
do we take advantage of the up-tempo because they showed some weakness against that, against Campbell? Or do we try to neutralize what is a Citadel strength, which is ball control? And and uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Coach Neugerbauer's plan is to be able to to go against you know a, a typically very stubborn Citadel defense and, and a ball control offense. Be curious to see if they if it's a little bit of maybe did similar to Mars Hill where you wait to get the first first down, then you kind of pick it up so you at least have it for a couple minutes. I, I don't know. That's that's what they did. And again. I'm curious because the game plan at Mars Hill, I would have to imagine, was a little bit more vanilla and and base and things, and there wasn't a lot of wrinkles. They didn't want to show a lot. So I think you were going to learn a lot more about this offense this week as opposed to last week. And and that was going to be a point I wanted to bring up is let's not judge too much what this this new ETSU offense is on one game against a Division II opponent that we were up 21-0 in the first quarter. Right, you've just eliminated lots of reasons why you need to show anything, and so it'll be. I'm excited to see Coach Neugerbauer's offense here. You've also got, uh, you know, George Corals. He's coached offense coordinator at Furman for four years, so he's game plan Citadel for four years now. Right, so this is not a new team to him, and and uh, it's first SoCon game. So I think uh, I think we'll probably start to see a lot more of this this scheme come out. Very unique when a head coach takes over. Generally speaking, unless they're hired from in-house, you don't really get anybody from within the league. And so to have him so familiar with the league, I think, has to be certainly a strength. Yeah, it's going to be a strength for, for our coaching staff. And, and, you know, you think about uh, Coach Taylor. He's, he's coached against Citadel his entire career, and I think nobody's better at stopping the triple option than, than his schemes. But then you flip to the head coach, and he's been around for four years. The, the, Brent Thompson's not going to surprise George Corals on what he sees defensively, and you're not going to surprise Billy Taylor. So I think head-to-head matchup there from a coaching standpoint, I, I think the edge has to go to us. So Tyler Rydell talked to him a little bit um, in the office. He usually stops by uh, once or twice, just say hello, and ask him what was the biggest difference maybe in the game plan that he could share. And he goes, well, he said, I've talked to Coach. I think I'm going to have more ability to check. And, he, you know, he said, as we're watching film, and I, I would before we'd watch the play, I was like, Coach, I think we should have did this. And so I think they're starting to get a little confidence in what he's seen, what he's doing. And he basically told Coach Newgar, he said, I think, you know, if you ask – the guys last year, I, I checked probably 60% of the time and then, you know, got us either a simple check from going right to left or out of a run to a pass or vice versa. And so I, he sh- he said he should have more. We're going to talk to Coach Newgrower about it too, get his thoughts. But Tyler Rydell thinks he's going to be able to have more handprint on the offense. Well, Coach Sanders said that about Tyler Rydell. He, he got us in the right play, right? He, that, was, that was the comment that he always made. He got us in the right play and the ball was going to where it should have gone last year. I think that was why he was so successful last year. New system, new coach. I would liken it to, and, and, and uh, I've got a 16-year-old daughter, and, and you know, you're driving around with her when she's 15, and you're like, yeah, you know, let's take it kind of slow, and let's, let's, you know, let's don't hit the highway right away kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, you, well, let's, let's have you drive around town before we're making any road trips. And then as she gets more comfortable, yeah, you know, you're like, all right, you're good ready to go and I think that's that's what we're seeing out of coach Neugerbauer and and Tyler Rydell let's talk a little bit about receivers real quick um obviously we know Will Huzzy can do Will Huzzy things when Isaiah Wilson's healthy certainly we know what he can do you know Noah West shocked me last year only had two catches I I was very I don't I don't know why I thought he had more He, he played a lot and was certainly integral part of the blocking scheme but 
He's proven he can make catches down the field. And then, you know, the addition sort of that slot receiver in Anaj Carter. And then there's other guys that are going to get in the game that didn't make a catch. One, Cam Lewis, you know they're designing stuff for Cam Lewis. And then Tommy went in the third uh, slot receiver uh, just out of Knox Catholic High School that had a lot of FBS offers from Middle Tennessee State, West Kentucky. Some of those got Caleb Moore, who's a Hall of Famer, ETSU uh, catcher, coaches baseball down there. And all he kept telling me, was what a steal. I can't believe you got him to go. And he probably texted me once a week to check in on Tommy. I was like, hey, Tommy's in the two deep finally. <laughs> so uh, there are some weapons. And, you know, and I hate to overstate this because I'm not trying to slight any other receiving court, but but those are five guys. And there's probably a, a couple more when you look at Solomon Dunn and a few others that could probably get playing time this year. This is by far one of the deeper positions. Yeah, the, the, the one word that coaches mentioned about and players mentioned about the wide receiver crew this year was the word depth and that's that's great to see I think uh, you know the one challenge when you have depth is keeping everybody happy and spreading the ball around and I think in this system with coach Neubauer it's designed to get the ball to multiple people and not narrow it down just to one superstar uh, but I think, you know, when, when we talk about the, the athleticism, I think that we've got on the field between Huzzy, Lewis, Wilson, um, those, those guys are, I think they can compete. We can compete with any secondary in the SOCON when, when you athletically, when you talk about them, it's just, are we getting guys in the right spot? Are they making the right reads, making the right in route adjustments? Um, are they thinking or are they reacting? And right now there's probably still thinking, okay, on this play I do this thing. If I see this look, I do this. Is my quarterback thinking the same thing? And it's that type of game time reps that you've got to get so that everybody gets on the same page and their timing is – that their timing is right. So let's, let me pose this to you. What is your – is there anything that you want to specifically hit on about this game and if not your thoughts on the game itself? Yep. So, you know, the thoughts on the game itself, I, I'll say this. Uh, this is – we're going to come in eighth-ranked team in the nation. It's the largest-ranked team to come in since, like, 2017 or something like that. Yeah, Wofford was a five. Yeah. And so so this is going to be a big game for them. They only have two home games in September and October total. And so – that campus is going to be jacked up. You know, they've got a great alumni support down there. That's probably one of the strongest alumni supports in, in, in the SOCON. They, they do a really good job there. The, it's, the first, it's the home opener, so the core is going to be all jacked up. And it's, it's just a great college environment to go, go play football. The question is for us, can we make the adjustment from week one to week two? You know, they, it, there's no bigger adjustments from week one to week than, than any weeks between week one and week than there is between week one and week two. And can we make those adjustments? How does Citadel respond to really a lashing last week that they're that they're not going to be proud of? Um, and and you know, we enter into this as as the favorite. A lot of times we play better as the dog than we do the favorite and. We're not going to be able to just – you're playing a military school. You're not going to be able to just throw your helmet out there and say, hey, we're, we're the Bucks. We're going to win. We've got to go execute. Weather could be an issue. Uh, the, the old uh, – the former ETSU baseball coach, current Citadel alum and baseball coach, Tony Skull, used to love to say this in our pregame show when we did baseball broadcast. Don't let anything without a heartbeat beat you. 
weather, wet balls, all those things that, that play into that, slippery footing. I know they've gone to the turf instead of that, but still, sometimes that turf can be just as slick as anything else. Yep, and so you've got temperature. The two things when you think about going to uh, Charleston to play, it's always temperature uh, and humidity and or rain. And, and so there's some rain in the forecast. It's going to be uh, in the lower 80s. But, but gosh, if you're a 300-pound defensive lineman and you're out there you know, for 34, 35 minutes a game, that, that'll wear you down. And you can, you can scheme all you want, you can, you can pressure all you want, but if you're tired and you're worn down, it's gonna beat you every time. And so that's the Citadel game plan. And so I, that's why I anticipate uh, bad weather, hot, humid, rain, whatever plays into Citadel's favor. Four. One, two, three, four. Four. One, two, three, 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 four. 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 All right, four downs. This is going to be uh, – sometimes we do a smorgasbord of four downs, this, that, and other, but we're going to stick to just ETSU and Citadel, four downs. First down. All right, well, I think it's got to be pretty simple, a little ground and pound. Uh, that's it. The team that wins the ground game on Saturday wins this game. Both teams enter their second game of the season not running the ball as well as they would have liked in the first game, Jay. Uh, Citadel had 187 yards on 47 attempts. For comparison, when they led the nation, they ran for 348 yards a game on average. Average. Um, ETSU, we only had 107 yards rushing on 37 carries, three yards uh, per carry average, less than what we would like to have seen. I don't think we necessarily need to outgain them because our offenses are different, but we have to be effective running the ball to win. Second down. All right, you got to make them pay the price. I, I love this. And, 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 uh, the secret to being successful against the option is to eliminate the big play. You got to keep the offense in front of you if you're the defender. You got to keep there. You got to keep them in front of you. Our secondary will have to run fast and loose from the perimeter. And when it's time to come up and make a big hit from the safety position, no one hits harder than our safety, Mike Price. I repeat, nobody. This guy loves to hit, and when he arrives, he arrives in a bad attitude. And I think he's uh, going to have a big, ga- big day for us on Saturday. Third down. Well, this is something ETSU's been great at the uh, last couple years, turnover time. Yep, and, and this is, has a soft spot to Robert Harper because of Tyree Robinson. But the Bucks have caused six turnovers in the last four meetings against the Citadel and cashed in 28 points off of those turnovers. The series has been tight the last five seasons, with four of those games being decided by one possession. So those 28 points, in fact, were the difference between the last four games. Fourth down. All right, got to get to the second level. And, and this is what I mentioned earlier uh, in terms of how do we beat their defense. Uh, they, they attack the line of scrimmage really well. We've got to get behind the linebackers, running the ball and passing it. As uh, They're not very physical in, on the secondary. We're athletic and fast. We've got to get into that second level with the ball, both running and passing. Third down. Part two. You know what's coming with this. Third down, part two. And i got a fourth down, part two as well. It's going to be third and longs for the simple reason, Matt, for the team that I think that can, A, stay out of third and long, but B, if they can keep a drive alive, considering how this game could play out time of possession, that could be a huge factor. Yep, that's a good read. Uh, Citadel did not show that they were able to convert third and longs. Their passing game is pretty limited. If you catch, if, if you know they're in a passing situation 
the play action is not going to surprise anybody, and they showed that against uh, Campbell. Um, they're just not a very good third down passing team. They're just not designed for it. And if we can get them in third and long situations, I really like our chances. Conversely, we're athletic. We can make plays. I think if we're in third and long situations, we've got the chance to, to convert. Fourth down. Part two, like I said. Uh, and this is fourth down is about fourth down because 2018 – Citadel went for it twice, one in their own territory, one at midfield. Didn't get it both times. They didn't go for it on fourth again until late in the game when they had to down a couple scores. Then uh, 2019, they did convert a couple times, and they went on to win that game. The last two years, similar situation, specifically last year, they went for it on their own 35 early in the game. Tyree Robinson makes a big stop. ETSU punches in for a score, and that pretty much set the tone for the game. Yeah, and, and Jay, that's why you're the best in the business because you can go deep into the stats and, and you've got a memory for, for those plays. Um, when you're playing an option-style defense you, or option-style offense, you truly have to play four downs because they are, they are at risk to convert fourth and short from anywhere. But high risk, high reward, we made them, play, we made them pay last time. All right, so let's look at our four downs. Now a little little fun time with Matt Wilgham. Shohei Otani. I don't know if you heard this yet. He's going to pitch and hit. Mark it down there. Plus 10 ERA. Hit a buck 20 max. There's not a soul that can stop the big three in New Jersey. That's in five, baby. Literally, the last person on earth that should ever be considered for the U.S. national team is JaVale McGee. NIL stands for never in life, as in never in life will NIL be a real thing. No, you can't. You cannot show me one guy more dedicated to the university than Damari Monsanto. He will go down as one of the best to ever do it at ETSU. He's still pretty good. A newly fit Jay Sandoz will never scuff another drive in Johnson City Country Club. Senior Tour, here we come. I did break 80 a couple times this year. All right, bold predictions. And so uh, last week, unopposed, shocker, I won. Um, just to recap that, though, I should have had two. Tyler Keltner I had down for a 50-plus yard field goal. He tried twice. So on the second one, I thought for sure, which uh, he slightly pulled, but uh, clearly got the leg. Said the Bucks would throw for 350. Obviously, that did not work. But I did say they would force two turnovers. My long term, the Bucks would repeat as uh, the regular season champs. Now that was not a share. They had to be the outright winners. And of course, the Bucks have never won in the conference until last year. They've shared, but outright was the first time. So I went with that. I said a thousand yard receiver already behind the eight ball. There, I got to pick that up. Um, I've already talked to Will Huzzy in the hallway about five times. And then I said Chandler Martin would lead the team at the end of the year in tackles. He did lead the team in game one with seven tackles. So he's got a one-tackle lead over a couple of guys, Elijah Huzzy, Mike Price, uh, each had six. So that is where we stand on long-term, um, one and two uh, after week one. Week two, and uh, Matt, I'm going to ease Matt into this. I'm going to take the first one. Matt, I'm going to go with, because the last two times down in Charleston, ETSU has had a defensive touchdown. Now, both of those did belong to Tyree Robinson. There was an interception and a fumble return. But I'm going to go the defense will find the end zone again for the third straight time in Charleston. I, I, I would not be surprised at all at that. And In terms of bold prediction, I think that would be kind of more, you know, 
medium prediction. Oh, maybe? yeah, you little, think that was a bold one? Okay, okay. Was well, what do you got then? I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you on our defense. Okay, I think there's just nobody that believes in ETSU stopping the option uh, more than me. I think ETSU pitches a shutout against Ooh. the Citadel. Uh, I, I think if they do score, it's going to be a field goal. But I'm going to – Hold them out of the end zone? I, I, or a pure I, shutout? I, what are you going with? I'm going with pure shutout. Pure shutout. I love it. Because this is bold prediction. This is not – This is not, right. This, this is, is medium prediction. This isn't half-step prediction time. This is, this I get it. This is bold predictions. Well, I'm going to go um, in the league. The Sanford Bulldogs are going to go to Georgia. They played last week the Georgia Bulldogs, a top 15 team, supposedly in the Oregon Ducks, and the Ducks had three points on the board. In the first half, the Sanford Bulldogs will hit pay dirt and score a touchdown and be much better than the Oregon Ducks. I, I like where you're going here with this. I mean, I think that's much much more fitting of the title. And, and, I, and I'm going first half touchdown. I don't want a late you know, fourth quarter meaningless 55-7 score. I want a – it will be a first half touchdown. This is a program that went in and nearly beat Florida State. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think I, – I think uh, – I like the pick. I like the I like the f- uh, the flavor of SoCon going into you know SEC school, just you know defending national champs and taking it to them. I like it. So what do you? Um, I'm gonna stick with on the Citadel game because okay. I, yeah. I wanted to get the offense as well. Yeah. I think we come out blazing. I think we have over 400 yards of offense. I think Jacob Sailors has a hundred yard rushing game, and that Tyler Rydell throws for more than 250 yards. Wow, so you're going for the trifecta. trifecta. This is like a parlay. You're going 400 total yards, 100 for sailors um, to, on the ground total. On the ground. On the ground, so rushing only, and then T.Y. with 250 in the air. Yes. Do you want to do your uh, pro football one first or second? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first because, you know, I, being from South Florida, big Dolphin fan, um, it's just it's in the blood. You being a degenerate Patriots fan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one Sounds thing right. you you know the Patriots may have the jewelry they may have the, the the clang on the rings over the last few years but when you look at the series history the Dolphins have held their own against the world champions so you know, this is kind of a medium prediction but I think Miami takes takes it to the Patriots this weekend so they, they win on the road now normally Miami um of course last year they did win in New England, but normally even when Tom Brady and everyone was rolling New England, they were below 500 in Miami. And uh, his two uh, places he struggled the most were Denver and Miami. Now, you could say because of the elevation and because of the humidity, the balls aren't fully flat or whatever you want to go with there. I figured yeah. you'd, I'd beat you the joke. But <laughs> that being said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put a 14 or more, two touchdown or more victory hanging on the Dolphins. It will be a uh, – I don't want to say bloodbath because I don't know that 14 or 17 is a bloodbath, but I'm going to go 14 to 17 points. The Dolphins, new coach, Iran Flores out of town, things going on. I think the defense of New England is still stout. The problem will be, you know, Ken Mac Jones with some of the weapons they added last year, year two, plus offense coordinator. I get all that, but week one. Now, if you come back on here week 17, which I hope to have somebody else, I don't have to have you on here for this segment. But if we do, I thoroughly understand if you win a 14 appointment because the last game of the year is also New England-Miami as the first game. But it will be New Year's Day in Miami, which has never been good for New England. Yeah, it, it hasn't. And, and I just you know like the matchup. Miami has added a ton of talent to their 
to their roster and two is playing playing much better and I think I think they just they stand a good chance to to take it to the Pats. Well, so that'll do it. How'd you feel about your first show? Loved it. I, I'm just honored to be able to be here and, and be a part of the show. I'm avid listener, so so excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. It was fun because I, I sent him a message like, hey, you just want to help break down the game? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then I was like, hey, you want to do four outs? Yeah. Hey, you want to do both predictions? Hey, you just want to do the whole show. Let's do it. I'm so, in. He came in. All right. So we may lean on uh, Matt here for the next few weeks until we get new guy. Uh, hopefully we have new guy sometime just so I can do other things and jobs. That being said, 4 o'clock will be the kick time, 2.30 pregame show on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Mark Kutzel will sit in your seat, another quarterback, so he'll be an apologist like you are. Yeah, and and let me just say this. In the Wiljam household, Mark Kutzel is the the favorite former ETSU quarterback, so if I'm tipping my hat to anybody, I'm happy to give it to Mark. All right, we'll have another edition of Sandos and no sidekick, or maybe a sidekick, who knows. That'll be next week. Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs>